This life-changing message comes to you from Church of the Harvest. It's our prayer that this message will inspire your life and bring hope to your future. Last week we talked about the priority of any family and marriage. First was serve God with all your heart. And then the second thing was train up your children and grandchildren to love and honor God. We saw that from Deuteronomy chapter 6. is something that the Jewish people, they pray every morning, they recite every night, they believe it's the conduct of the family, and, and they take it seriously, and they see their families blessed. They see legacy. They see a faith released. So it's something that we need to uh, take hold of and understand that these principles of the Word are for us today. And... We saw that Satan's after your seed. The enemy's after your seed. He wants to destroy your kids. He's after them. And we talked about the demonic spirit, Molech, who is out to destroy your seed and how the walls of Jericho, that uh, they were filled with sacrifices of babies that had been sacrificed to Molech. And the reason those walls came down is because it was a judgment of God against Molech who was destroying the seed. And God is after your seed to be blessed. He's after your seed also. Molech or the enemy is after your seed to destroy your seed. But God's after your seed to bless the seed. And he wants a legacy. He wants family. He wants generation to generation, multi-generational father. He wants it passed down, that you pass down your faith, and this thing gets stronger and keeps moving and grows. And that's where you see strength in Christianity when there's that legacy. It's continually passed down. And it's upon a grace upon grace, strength upon strength. So we're seeing... Now, one thing that's interesting, I was reading the other day, that they... Uh, Radio abortion clinic, and this was interesting, they found babies in jars. Anybody say that in the abortion clinic? In jars. You know that they took the ashes of the babies that were burned to Molech when they passed through the fire, and they put them in jars. Remember, they put those jars in the wall. Well, abortion clinics here in America in this day, putting babies in jars. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 13, it says, One day some parents brought their children to Jesus so he could touch and bless them. But disciples scolded the parents for bothering him. When Jesus saw what was happening, he was angry with his disciples. He said to them, Let the children come to me. Don't stop them, for the kingdom of God belongs to those who are like these children. I tell you the truth, anyone who doesn't receive the kingdom of God like a child, will never enter it. Then he took the children in his arms and placed his hands on their heads and blessed them. Now, get this picture. Here's, here's Jesus and here's this line. And I can just imagine through my, my imagination that there was a long line of, of people bringing their children, parents uh, bringing their children to Jesus. And there's by this time, Jesus was famous for healings and uh, for great miracles. And I imagine any, any mom that had a sick baby or uh, parents that had sick children and were in that line, I believe Jesus was touching them, praying for them, healing them. Things were happening. And what did the disciples do? Well, they're going to help Jesus out here. 
Hey, listen up, people. Um, you need to get your children and let's line up over here and leave the premises. Get out. Jesus is busy. This afternoon, he'll be teaching on the Sea of Galilee. Tonight, there'll be a healing rally. Jesus is a busy, busy man. He doesn't have time for your kids. Please leave now. It said the disciples scolded the people. And what happened then? Jesus gets angry at the disciples. He's upset. Don't stop the children from coming to me. Why? Because they didn't recognize that God put so much importance upon children. Children, we talked about how their hearts open. There's a canvas there. that It's just a blank canvas. They believe things. They, their hearts open to God. And God speaks to children. How many can testify to that if you're a parent? I know when our boys were young, God spoke through them things. It was above what I believe they could get on their own intellect. They were speaking things by the Spirit that were speaking to us. And God spoke to them. God showed them things. God ministered to them. God is a God of all ages. And He wants to minister to them. But here's the thing that really was upsetting to Jesus. It was an unjust thing the disciples were doing, but the, just the chapter before, he had ministered to them about children. Let me just read this to you. I didn't uh, put in your notes there. Matthew 9, verse 33. They arrived at Capernaum and settled in a house. Jesus asked the disciples, what were you discussing on the road? But they didn't answer because they had been arguing about which of them was the greatest. He sat down, called the twelve disciples over to him, and said, whoever wants to be first must take last place and be the servant of everyone else. Then he put a little child among them, taking the child in his arms. He said to them, get these words, anyone who welcomes a little child like this on my behalf welcomes me. Anyone who welcomes me welcomes not only me, but also my Father who sent me. He just had ministered to them, if you welcome a child, you're welcoming me. Now what did the disciples do? They were very unwelcomingly. <laughs> they were saying, get out, go. And Jesus had just ministered to them. See, children are vitally important to Father's heart. To God. Just like your children are important to you, right? Well, God wants His kids, His children, He wants to touch them. He wants to touch the kids. He wants to minister to them. He wants to speak to them. But it takes a parent bringing them to Jesus. Just like Molech, it took parents bringing their child to Molech. It takes Believers, it takes parents, grandparents, bringing children to the Lord. And that's what God expects us to do. God honors the authority of adults to bring children to Him. God established the, the chain and system of authority. And He will not go outside. He goes through the authority line. So here comes parents bringing, this is God's way, for parents to bring their children to Jesus. 
see this in your notes, two primary channels of authority God honors and uses to minister to children as parents and the church. This is what the Bible speaks to us. Training in the church. You know, after Jesus was raised from the dead, he appeared to disciples two times. I want to talk about the third time that he appeared to them. They've been fishing all night. You remember the story? They're fishing out, and they see Jesus on the shore. And there's Jesus. He's cooking. He, he's preparing breakfast for them. And they, they come to shore, and he starts speaking to Peter in John 21, verse 15. And actually, when you understand, he's speaking to Peter about his calling. Peter was a possibly functioning operating as pastor. And he's speaking to him about his calling. And it says in verse 15, When they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Feed my lambs. Then two more times he asked this, you know, Peter, do you love me more than these? And he said, feed my sheep. And the second time he said it means to tend or care for the sheep as a shepherd does sheep. And then the third time he said, feed my sheep. And it means to feed them, give them food. And we know what the food is, the Word of God. That's what a pastor or shepherds do is to feed, but he feeds all ages, and the first time when he said, feed my lambs, lambs are baby sheep. He's talking about children. He's talking about children's ministry. He's talking about feeding the little ones. And I think, I think it's interesting that he said, Peter, do you love me more than these? And we minister, we all minister to people because we love people, but it's deeper than that. It's not just because we love people, which is important. We minister to others because we love Jesus. That's the bottom line. If you love Jesus, you'll minister to others. And because we love Him, we reach out and touch others. So lambs are baby sheep. So Jesus is saying, Peter, I want you involved in children's ministry. I want you touching all ages, and that's what this calling is talking about here. That's the reason we have children's classes, to meet them, to feed them on their level where they're at. We don't do babysitting out there. It's not just a, a, a thing, to, a child care to, where the adults can come in and hear a sermon. They're being ministered to. They're prayed for all week. They pray for the, the teachers and everyone's committed because they're doing it for Jesus. And whoever, when they welcome your child into their class, they're also welcoming Jesus in. Because it says if you welcome a child, you're welcoming him. You see the importance that God puts on children's ministry. But speaking to the church and saying that we got to take care of children, we got to minister to children. Ministry to children is one of the most important ministries in the church it's not second class it's not third class it's first class because most people we talked about get born again before age 18 that's your fishing ground that is that is a pond full of fish that are ready to bite we need to reach the kids
training in the home. I'm going to move to it. We talked about two primary ways that God uses is the church and the home. So training in the home. Now, as important as the church is, it didn't say that God gave to the church children it says, or to the government. It says God gave children to families, to moms and dads. God expects parents to train their children. God expects parents to train their own kids. And it's important to Him. But the church is to be a reinforcement. You see this. The church is designed to reinforce what the children are learning at home. It shouldn't be the only source that kids get training is at church. It's a reinforcement to what they get at home. Somebody say amen. amen. That training at home that is where they see a model of mom and dad. And our kids are different. We have to have the Holy Spirit help us, instruct us how to minister to them. I want you to take a look at this video of somebody we all know and love. room for you so all of our kids and the Bible says do not compare yourselves among yourselves don't ever ask your kid why aren't you like your sister you ought to be like your brother they're not their sister and they're not their brother every kid comes out different I mean I'll be honest with you, I thought when Jess was born I told me they made a mistake at the hospital this is not our kids because you know your first kid is like a it's a guinea pig you're learning like, oh dear God about the time you learn how to raise a five-year-old they turn six and about the time you're in the six-year-old, they turn seven. You're chasing the first one. I'm sorry. I did the best I could. And you wait on the second one. Now I'm ready. I'm ready to be a parent. And the second one's born, and they're nothing like the first one. There's no way. That's my kid. They came out different. Because God's a very creative God. You know, he made a peacock. You know, God made a baboon with a fluorescent pink rump. You ever think what God was thinking that day he made the animal kingdom? Yeah, big monkey, little monkey, fat monkey, hairy monkey. Oh, hey, you come back here. <laughs> I'm looking forward to asking. What, and after he said, no, come back here. And then he sprayed it pink. There you go. You're not going to get lost, I'll tell you that. Well, if God did that with the animal kingdom, what do you think he did with us? No two people are the same. Our thumbprints aren't the same. Our voice prints aren't the same. God is a creative God. And so all of our kids come out different. So don't ever compare your children among them. They are different. Sarah could make an A without opening a book. Jess could struggle to get that same A. Both went to the same university on scholarship. Sarah went on an academic scholarship. Jessica went on a basketball scholarship. Your gift, not your sister's gift, not your brother's gift, not your daddy's gift, your gift will make room for you. Each kid comes out different. Their gifts are different, but their gift will make room for them. My job as a parent is to help them develop that gift because there's the devil trying to steal it and stop it and thwart it and pervert it. So it's like, I got to teach kids two things in the Word of God. You got to learn how to repent quick and forgive quick. There's nobody sin free. And the devil wants to make you feel really bad. He's the accuser of the brethren. So one of the greatest things you learn from the word of God as a child is if you sin, repent quick. Spit the dirt out of your mouth. Repent to God. Get back up. Get your hand back on the plow and start moving again. 
You can't let sin stop you. Repent or forgive, get up. Well, I knew that. Yes, you did. You're a doofus. Everybody's sinned. We've all been stupid at some point. The Bible says the righteous fall seven times a day, but they get back up. We're not the perfect people. We're the getting back up people. (laughs) You need the Holy Spirit to help you with your children. But we're going to look at some things, five areas that they say every child, every person has to have to be healthy. So I just want to look at these uh, quickly. You know the culture that we're living in is trying to shape and form our kids. And the culture is opposed to the things of God. So we need to be uh, diligent about training our kids. Number one is emotional development. This determines how you handle things. The key word for emotional development is acceptance. Acceptance. Children are seeking and looking or trying to get acceptance or they grow up knowing they're accepted. So this is something that brings stability uh, to a person's lives. And we need, our kids need to know no matter what they do, we still love them. We still accept them. And we separate maybe the offense, the thing that they did, we separate that from who they are. And of course, we're speaking what the Word says, that that's who they are. So we got to nurture uh, this, this place of um, acceptance in them. When they reach around the age 11, 12, they start getting their identity. Maybe they become a, a, a sports person or a musician or... Um, a nerd or a geek, uh, I don't, you know, all these different things they could be. They're looking for identity is what they're looking for. They're looking uh, for a place to fit. They're looking to be a, a part. They're looking for identity. And identity comes really from knowing that you're loved and accepted. So you have to uh, have the home to be a place that that is practiced. And there's really two areas that caused them to have a, a strength in this place of acceptance. Number one, parents love and acceptance of them unconditionally. And number two, they must know that God loves them and accepts them unconditionally. So when you have the, these two in place, they will be uh, emotionally healthy. And this is something that we can do on purpose and we got God's help in, in doing this, but it's the truth. They know that God loves them on the basis of what Jesus did on the cross. His death, burial, and resurrection It's not on our performance. It's not on what we do, good or wrong. It's based on his love and what he did, the finished work of the cross. Number two, intellectual development determines how we think. And we want our kids to do good in school. We need to encourage them, work with them. We need to bring practical things that they can learn uh, to do, uh, make them, give them wisdom about money, you know, savings and, and budget, handling money, teach them about tithing, uh, give them 10 dimes and say one of these dimes goes to God. You honor God with this dime and start teaching them at early age to honor God and put him first. Teach them to say, uh, yes, sir, or yes, ma'am. Teach them politeness. Teach them to serve because We just read that the greatest in the kingdom is servant of all. Teach them the honor and the um, 
the blessing of being a servant. So you teach them to serve. You give them responsibility. You want to teach them these things and, and give them that responsibility that they'll have understanding, especially when they're out there in the world. Number three, physical development determines our physical fitness. Yeah, teach them uh, to eat right. They just can't live off of Twinkies and, and ice cream. And you need to help them see that they need to take care of their bodies because their bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. They need to exercise. They need to know what they do with their body is important. They don't need to just take their body and flop down and play video games 10 hours a day or they listen to this or do this. They need to uh, honor the body, the, the temple that God has given them. And there's things that we know that we can do. They need to be active and um, and do things to be physically fit. Uh, we must speak to them uh, when we think about the body. We need to speak to them about sex and the, the uh, sacredness of sex and, the, and being pure before God. And uh, some of you have asked for, for some resources. I like Focus on the Family. Uh, they have guides for speaking to your children about sex. They, they need to hear from you in, in that regard. Uh, Joe McGee has... Uh, books and all kinds of things that you can get. You need to, in fact, Joe McGee uh, has his Parenting 101. It's now on YouTube. You can watch uh, all four completely, I think they're an hour and a half each, all the teaching on YouTube. And you need to get that. And no matter what you hear, you still the Holy Spirit, because every child is different, you have the Holy Spirit directing you exactly into some things about praying for their vision and praying for God's plan to be released and revealed and, and done in their life. So you, you need those things uh, revealed to you. Number four, moral development. It determines the moral compass. And we know that it used to be a day and time where what was right was right, what was wrong was wrong. But now it's not that way anymore. So we have to teach our kids, this is right, this is wrong. Because uh, when you listen uh, to the culture, it will sound like that you just don't love people or something's wrong with you if you don't, if you think this is okay or this different thing or what's wrong with uh, uh, abortion, what's wrong with this activity or that. And we need to teach them what the Bible says and, and what is right, where they can make the right decisions and, and be thinking uh, what is right according to what God says. People today are saying, I will believe what I want to believe. And you can believe what you want to believe and we'll both be right. And it's not true. It's absolutely not true. There's a, uh, people, there's no such thing as absolute truth, many people think. In fact, the Barnum Group, this survey, they found 67% of Americans believe there's no absolute truth. In America... And when you reject that, that there's no absolute truth, you're rejecting God who is the way, the truth, and the life. So to make that statement, you're rejecting God because He is truth. Barna also found that 20% of students who are very active in church and in their faith as teenagers remain spiritually active by age 29. Just 20% of those they're spiritually active in their faith, will remain with God at age 29. 
that's, that's sad. <laughs> that's nothing but sad there. So we must establish a model of belief in absolute truth in the home. We've got to teach what's right, what's wrong, set clear boundaries, explain why from God's Word, we, what we will allow in the home and not allow in the home, discipline when they do wrong, and discipline is something that the culture says you don't discipline. You just get a Dr. Seuss book out and explain. It's not politically correct to discipline. And discipline, according to the Bible, is something that if you love your children, you do. And you, you correct them. And I'm not talking about abusing or hurting, uh, injuring, but the Word says that we are to... Um, Take action. Let me read to you Proverbs 13, 24. Those who spare the rod of discipline hate their children. Those who love their children care enough to discipline them. So we're to discipline. And like I said, it's never about abuse. It's never about hurting uh, the child. It's, it's about bringing their consequences for your action. It's actually teaching them to obey God's what it's doing. It's teaching them to that there's consequences if you don't obey, and you're teaching them that when they leave your house to obey God, that obeying God, if you don't obey God, there's consequences that take place in our life. So because you love them, you're training them. Now, you don't... Uh, spanking should be the last resort. You give clear uh, boundaries and clear rules, and uh, if they willfully break them, that's where it's different. If there's mistake made... Uh, but you can uh, take away privileges, and you don't spank after, you know, a, a certain age. You determine what that is. When they're bigger than you, I wouldn't spank them. <laughs> no, uh, when they get to a certain age, probably um, 11, 10, 11, I'm not sure. It's been a while, but you will know when. You, you don't spank them. You take away privileges then, and you, you go about a different way. But they need to know. And when you do this, you, you tell them, this is the reason you're, you're getting this spanking. You have them re repeat it to you. And you say, I'm doing this because I love you. And I'm doing it because I'm obeying what God says to do. Like to read the scripture. Then you spank them. And you, there's a place that God uh, created for them to be spanked in. You're sitting on it right now. And that's the place for them to be spanked. And you have to get them to stay still. So you're going to have to be still. The injuries can't happen. <laughs> so you have to stay still and you administer. But then you let them cry, you hug them and love them. Now, if they are defiant after you spank them, you didn't spank them hard enough. You didn't get your point across. Because you want to be a cry of repentance. They, and then you hug them, love them, pray for them. And that's the way you do it. And... Uh, you will cause your child to walk in peace and strength, and this will actually be a place of security to them that they know that you're uh, looking out for them. And then the, the last thing is, number five, spiritual development. And this determines their trust and their walk with God. And all of these other four, this is the most important, but actually this one touches all the other areas. You really look at, it touches every single aspect of them. Spiritual development and children 
actually learn to walk by looking at mom and dad. Don't tell them it's important that you pray, and yet they never see you praying. They learn by hearing you praying, seeing you pray. Don't say you need to to worship God. They never see you worship God because they will follow your example. The greatest influence in a child's life is the parents. And it goes beyond what you say. It's what you do with them because they live with you. And they pick up on things. So you shouldn't uh, watch this movie and then you're watching it. It does something to them. Something just doesn't click. Or you say, you shouldn't uh, drink alcohol. You shouldn't smoke. And then you're drinking alcohol, going around smoking. Your training's no good. It has no effect on them at all because they don't believe you. They will value or put value on what they see you walking and doing. Not just saying. And the old line that, you know, some parents say, well, don't do as I do, just do as I say. <laughs> no. And usually the, the children will take it to a greater level. So the example you live before your children is everything. They look to you. And I wanted to put this in for single parents because... You know, we talked about mom and dad. What about single parents in this? Isaiah 54, verse 4. Fear not, you will no longer live in shame. Don't be afraid. There's no more disgrace for you. You will no longer remember the shame of your youth and the sorrows of widowhood. For your creator will be your husband, and the Lord of heaven's armies is his name. God promises if you're raising children alone, he's your husband. His presence will make up the difference of your absent spouse he will help you raise your children and even then the church comes into a greater place because the church is a place your child needs to be at every time to have role models around them that they can uh, see and watch and grow up and be ministered to and, and loved on so you see the importance uh, of church especially in a single parent's life. But it's important that you know that God's with you and He's your husband and He will help you through this. What a promise that we have knowing that God will help us. Now, question I asked about uh, teenagers and teenagers are a special animal. And I, I say that there's some things that you get the wisdom of God to know which battles to, to fight. And that you're, you're always leaning in, loving them and showing acceptance. But at the same time, you're bringing the wisdom of God. And if things have been done right earlier, you're just building on that. Even though there's a lot going on in their life of hormones and all these changes taking place and you need to discuss it where they know what's going on and, and help them with that to navigate through that and you've got to have some uh, patience and some understanding in that process because they're learning to be independent. But I also believe that you have the right and Ella and I did, we, we told the boys we'll come into your room at any time, inspect and do anything. They're there are no secrets. 
and that's what we'll do. They still probably did. I don't know, <laughs> I don't know but you, you do the, the best you can. This day and time, I, my goodness, uh, computers, phones, you know, it's just even more, more um, imperative that you check out what they're doing. So, well, you just, you just don't trust me. No, I trust you. I don't trust the devil. I don't trust hormones. <laughs> and I'm going to watch. I'm going to be in, in your business because it helps me pray, helps me know what's go- going on uh, with your life. And so there has to be that understanding that you're there for them. You've been given a command from God to teach and train your children and to watch over them and protect them. There's nothing better, I think, that moves the heart of God to see a father or a mom protecting their child. Because that's your job, to look after them and protect them. So what's some of that protection? Invading their space. Oh, you're going to get some look. This isn't for wimps. (laughs) Parenting with teenagers is not for wimps. Just put on the big boy pants. Put on whatever you are. <laughs> Put them on and get with it because it's not for wimps. You're not trying to be their best friend. You're their parent. So be the parent. And look over these things. Get their phone. Now, I, w- I want to see your phone. El- Even our marriage, Ellen can get my phone anytime. There's no, no secrets, you know. Don't touch my phone. No. Here's my phone. Because we're one together. And we're for each other. There are some secrets. But you have, you have actually a command from God to protect them. So go and look and see. Get on their phone. Get on their computer. Put security on that stuff. That stuff can come in many different ways. I don't know about you, but I've had stuff jump on mine going, oh my goodness, is going on. You don't want that stuff. So you have to guard their heart and take it seriously. Because families are falling apart. Families are going down the tube. We want awakening in the body of Christ It starts in the family. It starts in families being strong for God. It starts with grandparents praying for their kids, praying for their grandchildren. Well, I don't... They live so far away. You can pray. There's no distance in the Spirit. You can write them. You can call them. There's things that you can do. You can send them a book. There's things that you can do to reach them. You have a commandment to do it. God said, I choose Abraham because I know him. He will train his children. He will train his household. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Did he do it? He did it down to us. We are the seed of Abraham. Abraham's training of passing down the covenant, passing down the training, is the reason all of us are in this room today because we are the seed of Abraham. 
Jesus came into the earth because people through the generations cooperated with him. And Abraham is, Jesus is called the seed of Abraham. Jesus was able to come into the earth. The greatest move of God came into the earth because Abraham trained his kids who trained their kids who trained their kids and passed down to generations and brought strength. I want us to I want us to bow our heads for just a moment. I want you to take stock of your life. You know, if the most important thing is the spiritual development, are you developing your children, your family? Are you taking the oversight? Are you bringing provision? Are you tending and caring for your your sheep, your flock in your home? Are you taking care of them? Would your kids rise up and say, my mom and dad are servants of God. They love the Lord. What would they say if we interviewed them? What would they say if we say, do your parents pray? Do they read the Bible? See, we've got to take the commands of God seriously. It says if you'll do this, He'll bless your kids. He said, they'll live a long life and they'll be well with them. You do your part. Now they still have a free will. They still have a choice. You can make it so hard for them to go to hell by bringing them that training and doing what you're supposed to do. I want us all to bow our heads just a moment. First thing you need to do is be a part of God's family. You need to be in the family of God. How do you do that? You make a surrender. You give God your heart. You say, Lord, I'm giving you all. I'm giving you my life, past, present, and future. I'm giving it to you because you love me. Therefore, I choose to love you. I choose to receive your word as a standard for my life. I choose to walk with you and live for you. I want you, Lord, more than anything else. That's you this morning. I want you to lift up your hand. No one looking around. We're going to call upon the Lord. The Bible says those that call upon the Lord shall be saved. Anyone in this place say, yes, that's me. It's one. Is there someone else? Maybe you prayed this prayer before, but today you know you're not right with God. You need to get right with God. This is the day of salvation. This is your day. You choose. He won't make you choose. You choose what you will do with Jesus Christ. There's no greater decision that you can make. Let's pray together. Say, dear God, thank you for Jesus Christ. I receive Jesus as the Lord of my life. I believe He died for me. He took my sins. He died on the cross. He was raised from the dead. And He is now Lord. And I call you my Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Empower me to live for you. And I give you the honor and the glory in Jesus' name.
If you'd like to get more information about resources from Church of the Harvest, please check out our website at midsouthharvest.org. You may also contact us by phone at 662-890-1573 or toll-free at 866-383-8277.